0: This season of Radio Play Collab received funding from a Spokane Arts Grant Award. For more information on Saga, visit spokanearts.org. Support for Radio Play CoLab also comes from The Inlander, a local, independent weekly newspaper since 1993. New issues are out every Thursday and available regionally. The Inlander is also updated daily on Inlander.com. <music> this is radio play collab a creative partnership between spokane public radio purple crayon pictures and spokane playwrights laboratory On this episode, we present the one-act play, Mea Culpa. It's about a young confessor and a priest who discover that they both have something to atone for. It was directed by Juan A. Moss and features Cody Higginbottom as Alan, the young confessor, Rick Ibarra Rivera as Father Markham, Rebecca Cook as Sister Roberta, and Cavi and Felina Garignani as Alan's classmates, Mary Ellen and Janine. I'm your host, EJ Ionelli, and be sure to stay tuned after the play for my interview with the playwright, Brian Harnito. And now, Maya culpa.
1: Children! What is all this noise?
2: Mom and Dad said no. No way I could go to a rock and roll concert with Bobby or anyone else. He's 17 and I'm 7. Anyway, he's got a date.
1: Mary Ellen? That's better. This is a church, not a school cafeteria. Now, if you've finished with your confession and said your penance... You should be outside on the front steps for your parents to claim you, just as we practiced. I shouldn't have to remind you of this. Be sure Sister Agnes checks you off her list before you leave. Now, has everyone here assigned to Father Brendan completed their confession? Good. What about Father Markham? Billy, you're the only one? Very well. Go on, I'm sure Father Markham's waiting.
2: Hey, what if your brother said it was okay? Maybe if you took a friend you know, like me, to keep you company, maybe our parents would say yes. I already asked Bobby. He just laughed and said grow up. He said if I kept bugging him, he wouldn't even let me listen to his records. I hate him. Maybe the concert would be on TV. Do you think they'll sing, I Want to Hold Your Hand?
1: Mary Ellen and Janine, what is going on? Well, you certainly aren't praying. Sorry, sister. Sorry for what, Mary Ellen?
2: We were talking, uh, whispering, about my brother. He's in high school. How he gets to go see the Beatles concert at the Hollywood Bowl.
1: The Beatles... And what do they have to do with your first confession?
2: No, they're this band from England. John, Paul, George, and... uh... Ringo! Oh, yeah, Ringo.
1: Mother of mercy, give me strength. I know who the Beatles are. I do not live under a rock. Wait, Alan, where have you been?
2: I, um, I, I had to go to the bathroom.
1: And you couldn't hold it? On this of all days?
2: No,
1: sister. Don't move. And you two. If you've said your penance, you should be outside. Yes, sister. sister. The Beatles have nothing to do with you receiving the sacrament of penance, hmm? Instead, you might try focusing on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You do know who they are, don't you?
2: Yes, sister. Uh, Yes,
1: sister. Outside. Go. Now, Alan, have you made your confession yet?
2: No, sister.
1: Well, I guess someone has to be last. Weren't you assigned to Father Brendan?
2: Um, well, I'm going to Father Marcus.
1: Well, get on with it, please.
2: Prayerfully. Yes, sister.
3: Yes, go on, bless me, Father, for I have sinned
2: um bless me father for it's for I have sinned
3: All right, try to relax, deep breath, you'll do fine, just like Sister Roberta taught you it's easier than you think, for I have sinned, and this is my first confession
2: for um for I have sinned, and this is my second confession i I think.
3: Did you say second?
2: Um, I'm. It, I don't. I'm. I ah, don't
3: speak know. Speak up! God doesn't like mumblers.
2: Doesn't God like everybody? Love everybody?
3: Well, yes, but I'm God's ears today and I can't hear you. Sorry. Save the sorries for the bigger stuff. Now, how long ago was your last confession? B-
2: five minutes. What's going
3: on here? Are, are you disguising your voice? That's a sin, you know.
2: Geez, why?
3: Why what?
2: Sister says.
3: Stop that.
2: Sorry, it, it's just that you got this thing here, so you can't see me, so it's private-like, if, you know, recognizes my voice.
3: If I do, I ignore it. This is a sacrament. The confessional is a safe place. You should know that.
2: Yes. Father Markham.
3: Don't be a doubting Thomas, Alan. See, I recognize your voice, and it doesn't make a whit of difference. And, well, you better get used to it. Holy Mother the Church is about to open the windows. Big changes coming. Confessions face to face, calling it reconciliation. Communal services, maybe with sing alongs and cookies. Cookies? Never mind. Back to business. Now, What's this about five minutes?
2: Maybe I should come back.
3: Were you over on the other side with Father Brendan? Yeah. It didn't go so well?
2: He wasn't very, uh, I was having trouble and he said I should just say what's on my mind. So I asked him about the trap door.
3: Trap door?
2: Yeah, there's this eighth grader, Eddie. He's an altar boy. He said how, if it's a bad sin, that you can just hit a button and drop right down this tunnel and go to, you know, just disappear and no one will remember I was even here. He said it usually doesn't happen the first time, but that it might.
3: And I'm sure Father Brendan told you there is no trap door, and that Eddie was pulling your leg.
2: I guess. He said it's not a sin to be dumb, and to say my act of contrition. I think he was pretty tired. I miss some of the words after, do you know? Heartily sorry.
3: That's to be expected, Alan. We're not perfect. But... Go on.
2: Do you have to say your sins out loud to be forgiven?
3: Isn't that what you learned in class? Yeah. You name your sins and God forgives you.
2: Why do we have to name them?
3: Alan, it's been this way for centuries.
2: Yeah, but doesn't he already know? Kind of read my mind and say, you know, go and sin no more.
3: That's my job. You have to trust the church knows what's best. God wants to know we understand our sinfulness.
2: But doesn't he already? Like... Alan,
3: were there some things you wanted to share with Father Brendan? Is that why you're here?
2: He didn't give me a chance.
3: Sounds like there was a misunderstanding. There's 80 of you and just two of us. Let's get back to you. It's good that you want to be in a state of grace. Shall we try again?
2: Okay, so I, uh, disguised my voice. Yes. Uh.
3: Go on, next.
2: I, uh, Got sent to the principal's office because they said I tripped Joan Fleming when she walked by my desk. Did you? I guess. She really tripped over me. My feet were in the aisle. She was carrying a book.
3: Were you trying to trip her? Alan.
2: I don't know. She never looks where she's going. My feet were right there first. Okay. Maybe. Maybe.
3: Now that wasn't so hard. Anything else?
2: She got a black eye.
3: Are you glad she got a black eye?
2: She thinks I am. Oh? She broke up with me at recess. I didn't even know we were together.
3: Have you apologized?
2: Sister Agnes made me.
3: And you meant it? I said it. God isn't concerned with words, Alan. It's what's in your heart. Your intention. Understand?
2: I thought she just tripped.
3: Okay. Is there anything else?
2: I've been having... impure thoughts.
3: I see. How often?
2: Pretty much all the time. Ah...
3: Give me an example.
2: Okay. First, Joan Fleming tries to kiss me on the playground. Then I keep wanting to kiss Colleen Clampett. She's in the other class. I didn't think it. It just came out of nowhere. I don't even like her.
3: I wouldn't say that's impure, Alan. These are natural longings. Do you know...
2: I looked at some dirty pictures in my mom's magazines.
3: All right. Tell me a little more.
2: There's... Pictures of women in their undies.
3: Undergarments?
2: Things they want mom to buy. Uh,
3: These magazines, do you remember their name?
2: Yeah, like life. Is that a sin?
3: Well, uh, why do they
2: even do that if it's going to be a sin? Sister Roberta says the devil can show up anywhere, anytime.
3: Yes, that's true. It's like this, Alan. You're human. We all are. So when things like this happen, it's okay to glance, to see what it is. But it's a sin to stare. It's pretty simple, really.
2: Yes, father.
3: Good. That's enough for today. For your penance-
2: I made my parents get a divorce. Alan- I I did!
3: Your parents aren't divorced. They're trying to work some things out.
2: it It's me! My sisters and little brother never do nothing. Sister Roberta says I'm obnoxious. Is that a sin?
3: No. Not necessarily. It means you have a lot of energy. It Depends what you do with that energy.
2: Because of Joan Fleming, I got a U in deportment. And... Mom and Dad had another big fight about me going to military school. And now Dad's staying at my uncle's house, and I'm stuck in my room. Is that a mortal sin?
3: No. All parents have difficulties, Alan. Some more than others. It does help when children do their part. Remember the fourth commandment?
2: Thou shalt not kill. Oh, uh, uh, honor thy father and thy mother.
3: That's better. It helps if you keep in mind the teachings of Holy Mother the Church.
2: Yes, Father.
3: Your folks aren't blaming you, are they?
2: No. Dad said it's your fault. The Church. No, you. Uh, hello?
3: Yes, uh, yeah. He said me. Do you know why?
2: Because, uh.
3: Alan, you know your mother and I have counseling sessions.
2: Dad says they're dates.
3: My God! He said that? What did your mother say?
2: She said he's crazy, that if we'd come with her, he'd know it's not true. Is it? Not true.
3: We're talking about you here, Alan. Your confession?
2: But if it's not true, then it's me. Do you like her?
3: Alan, counseling sessions are confidential. We... Oh, give me a minute here.
2: What are you doing?
3: I'm trying to get this damn lattice off. So you can see me. I need to look at you. There.
2: Isn't that against the rules? Oh,
3: forget about the rules for a minute. Sorry for the damn. Look, Alan, I'm your mother's spiritual counselor.
2: I... I... I like Joan Fleming, but... I never told her. Then she broke up with me. I did do it. I did trip her. I'm sorry. I know. It's a mortal sin, isn't it? Cause... of the black guy?
3: No. You didn't know.
2: I should have known. I'm almost eight.
3: We're not perfect, Alan. What else did your mom say?
2: Uh, that you're trying to help? You listen good? That you're gentle? She said that. She kind of yelled it through the wall at my dad. I think she likes you more than him now. When you called last week, she got all dressed up to meet you.
3: It was a counseling appointment, Alan. People get dressed up. It's important.
2: Are you mad?
3: No. I'm. Look, I didn't mean to.
2: Maybe with you and Mom, it's like Joan Fleming. I don't know. Does it, you know, feel icky? <sighs> is that what sin is? Yeah. So, now what?
3: Yes. Well, for your penance, why don't you apologize to Joan? For real. And for mine. I'll talk to your dad.
2: He might slug you.
3: I might deserve it.
2: My parents are waiting for me outside. Both of them.
3: We could take the trap door. (laughs) Okay. Do you remember the act of contrition? I think so. Let's do it together. Oh my God.
2: Oh my God.
3: I am heartily sorry sorry for for having having offended offended thee, and I detest all all my sins sins because because of of thy just punishments, but most of all because they offend thee.
0: Mea Culpa featured Cody Higginbottom as Alan, the Young Confessor, Rick Ibarra Rivera as Father Markham, Rebecca Cook as Sister Roberta, and Cavi and Felina Garagnani as Mary Ellen and Janine, Alan's classmates. This Radio Play collab production was directed by Juan A. Moss, and the sound designer was Hannah Hart. Mea Culpa was written by Brian Harnito. Brian is the longtime playwright in residence at the Spokane Civic Theater, where he also oversees the Playwrights Forum Festival, an annual competitive playwriting event that's now named in his honor. After the recording of Mea Culpa, I talked to him about the inspiration for the play and how it evolved when it made the leap to radio. Let's talk about the origins of Mea Culpa. This started life as a 2022 submission to the Spokane Playwrights Forum Festival.
4: Yes. As the playwright in residence there, for many years I've been given the privilege, if you will, of having a non-competitive entry in the festival, and "Maya Culpa was the 2022 entry.
0: And what inspired Mea Culpa? This, <laughs> I'm assuming this comes from a very personal place? My childhood.
4: <laughs> I didn't realize that at the time when I started to write it, but I—, I When I got done with the draft, I looked at this and I thought, there's a lot of me in this play. (laughs) Uh, I was raised Roman Catholic. Uh, Well, I was 15 years old when Vatican II started. But I had lived through a very regimented Orthodox part of church life where, I mean, it was so Orthodox that if you weren't a Catholic, you weren't going to heaven. There might be some other place you might be parked that's pretty nice, but only Catholics were going to heaven. <laughs> and the notion of sin, I mean, it was still a fire and brimstone in the mid-50s along with the Cold War and everything else. Um, and I had a, a wonderful life, but there was a real interorum aspect, especially to the notion of traditional Catholic confession where you must uh, name your sins and atone.
0: And so it wasn't until this was on the page that you noticed that? Or was it somewhat cathartic in the creative process?
4: I do, well, I, I would have to say, yes, I did notice I was borrowing aspects. <laughs> but I, I believe in that John Irving notion that you take your own emotional experience in real life and you translate it into something that's not identifiable, that's something unrecognizable, unrecognizable. And that can be a piece of art. I just didn't plot my childhood down on the page. But I, I certainly borrowed from it.
0: And this has a lot in common with current and previous Radio Play collab submissions in that it was originally written for the stage and then was adapted for radio. Yes. Talk to me about that process and what had to change when it moved from the visual and the physical to the oral.
4: We just had to be respectful, and here's where the director of the radio play, Juan Moss, who's very conversant with uh, this area, uh, we sat down with the script, and he said, here's where we need to find another way to do this. And for the most part, mea culpa was largely dialogue. There wasn't a lot of action in it. It takes place in a very claustrophobic, traditional confessional with a sliding door between the priest and penitent. And there's a point in the the actual play where the priest, in order to get through to this kid and to have a conversation, takes down that lattice door. And we obviously can't show that on radio, so we had to find a way to describe what was happening. And and it was through sound effects and a couple of kind of elliptical remarks to suggest to the audience what's going on without spoon-feeding it.
0: And there were large sections of the play that were rewritten. And in the past, we've had to maybe alter a line of dialogue or insert a certain sound effect and make a note of this or that. But you actually added large-ish sections to this, no?
4: We had to introduce the play in a different way. And Juan suggested that we start out outside of the confessional and ramp up the action a little bit. So we did a kind of prelude to the actual confession, introducing the world of the play. And I think that was uh, helpful. And it was fun, actually. And along <laughs> along with everything else, I got to look at this play many months after I first had worked it and find things that needed fixing. So coincidentally to this, I also went back in and cleaned up the stage play. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a win-win.
0: And we were in This very studio in which we are now talking, we recorded the radio play. And I noticed you were sat there with your eyes closed for much of the time because you were kind of taking things in. What about that experience maybe surprised you or caught you off guard or was different to how you imagined it? Because I would assume that this is different, or maybe you do the exact same thing. Maybe when you're at a play of your own that's being workshopped on the stage that you sit there with your eyes closed. I'm not sure.
4: Well, no, I I think the active listening in in rehearsal, and I love being present for rehearsal, whatever uh, milieu you're in, but there you have to see what's going on too. Here, I'm trying to imagine what the average listener is hearing. Uh, But a couple of things in answer to your question. One is putting together a radio play is more reminiscent of film work than it is of stage work. Because the continuity can get broken up and you may go back as producer or the director may go back and say, I wanna redo this line. And it's done out of sequence and then it's folded in properly through the magic of of, uh, your technicians. So I I was aware of that again. I had done a couple radio plays long ago for this station and um, I appreciated that I hadn't experienced that in a while. And
0: you probably have more historical knowledge with radio plays than anyone who's working on the Radio Play collab team. Um, you had brought in the play that you did in 1983 for KPBX, and we were looking at the script for that. Talk about some of the parallels. I'm assuming in 1983, you were doing it to tape, which may have been a different experience. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I have a,
4: copies of the two plays that were done here. They're on old cassettes. <laughs> but... You know, I, again, in the mid-50s, I, I think I even put a note in the program for the Stage Play Thin Air that the last live radio program was in 1962. By 62, I was 15, but when I was a kid, I remember listening to radio programs. I loved the genre, and it was fun to get back into it.
0: And what do you value about the radio play format? And I guess we can even talk about this in the context of Mea Culpa, because I'm always interested to know, how do you hear or experience the play differently now that you've experienced or witnessed this audio version?
4: I think uh, Mea Culpa is pretty well suited for for radio, even whether you're a a Catholic or an atheist. It it really doesn't matter because we're talking about just that notion of moral right and wrong. And uh, we've all experienced that in art. I I love it, and I think the confessional, anyone who's listening in on that radio ought to be able to be in, pretty much uh, have a notion of what it's like to be in that claustrophobic confessional without ever seeing it, although we don't ever describe it, and that's the big ask for somebody who's not a Catholic is that they have to have some notion of, of place there and how confining it is, and then put a 8-year-old kid who's presumably uh, under church doctrine— has reached the age of reason and is responsible for their acts, it's a wilderness in reality. That's what I remember as a kid. Um, my wife, who was also raised Catholic, talks about how she didn't know what to do in confession, so they just you just made up sins just so you had something to say. <laughs> and, and I've heard that said by many people who uh, went through that as a young boy or girl uh, trying to come clean and Lead a good life, uh, not really knowing, in any real sense of the word, what is right and what is wrong.
0: So it's fertile ground for fiction, or maybe just art in general,
4: and for laughs. Believe me, <laughs> you got to laugh at this, at the effort to try to help a child become right-minded, if you will. Uh, there's, it's just great fodder for comedy, and uh, and and what I, I didn't set out to write a comedy, but I think this is a comedy just by default because. Out of the mouths of babes do come very great <laughs> insights. And this kid kind of turns the whole confession around, and it becomes about the adult. Uh, and that's what interested me. And I was surprised, as maybe a listener might be, when we see the tables turned in the course of this confession.
0: Or hear the tables turned. <laughs> or hear,
4: yes. Theater of the mind, yes. You uh, have to hear it, but we ought to be able to visualize it, too.
0: Excellent. Well, Brian, thank you so much for talking about Maya culpa. You bet. That was playwright Brian Harnito talking about Maya culpa. This has been Radio Play Collab, a creative partnership between Spokane Public Radio, Purple Crayon Pictures and Spokane Playwrights Laboratory. The Radio Play CoLab theme song was written by Tanya Ballman. On behalf of Spokane Public Radio, I've been your host and producer, E.J. Iannelli. This season of Radio Play CoLab received funding from a Spokane Arts Grant Award. For more information on Saga, visit spokanearts.org. Support for Radio Play CoLab also comes from The Inlander, a local, independent weekly newspaper since 1993. New issues are out every Thursday and available regionally. The Inlander is also updated daily on Inlander.com.